1: Welcome again to the Pride of Detroit PODcast, to Pride Detroit on Twitter, Pride of Detroit on Facebook, as I move my face around this microphone because I see it is slightly off jar, trying to speak directly into the microphone. Now I'm sitting weird as we sit here. Just another day in the adequate host life of Chris Perfett. That's me, Chris Perfett, at Chris Perfett, P-E-R-F-E-T-T, leading the charge as always, and it would be unprofessional of me to move this microphone right now, so I am going to continue sitting awkward man who's not sitting awkward in his chair right now, probably is Jeremy Reisman, the fearless leader at Detroit online back with us again. How are you doing jeremy
2: I'm doing all right I, I am kind of sitting awkwardly because i I just came back from my cruise, and my body still doesn't know that, so I'm constantly swaying but uh but i'm i'm trying to I'm trying to get through it well, thank you for talking long enough for me to like mute
1: myself, then adjust my mic and set see? it up properly so i could I
2: could basically see you doing the like stretch it out motion. That's, that's the kind of chemistry we have here on the POD cast. We don't
1: have cameras anymore because we're not using Skype anymore, which is fine because I've done a few of these without
2: shirts. <laughs> and now I can't focus for the rest of the podcast thinking about that.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Your, your fans are Detroit. grateful
2: for the change, though.
1: <laughs> yeah, I know. Like, this is what we try to bring people on this Detroit Lions POD cast, That's what it is. Kent Lee Platty is back, everyone. Kent Platty at Math Bomb. Am I saying Platty or is it Plat? I it's asked flatty. you this, like, platy, Okay, good. I had a brain fart in the middle of talking. Like, I'm being really <laughs> adequate right now. Adequate is our joke to say that maybe I'm not that good at this job, which is also, as a joke, it is not an intention for you to send things saying, God, this guy sucks. I have a fragile ego right now. Let's just put it that way. Uh, anyway, what are we talking about today? The Combine's coming up. We're going to talk about that because we have seamlessly transitioned across this part of the of the off season to the part that jeremy hates which is just draft talk i've finally blood while he was gone i nearly staged a coup to get more draft talk into this so kent's back we're going to be talking about the combine that's coming up the part actually of the draft that i care
2: least about the combine
1: (laughs) it's always it's always funny how
2: about that i mean it to me the problem with getting having a draft event right now is that it it doesn't you, you don't know what your team needs, right? Like, because oh. free agency is two, three weeks away. And if, if the combine were just two or three weeks later, then I'd be a little bit more excited about the event. And
1: not only that, in it. not only that, but I mean, you're speaking from the side of wanting of speaking from a, t- a fan of being one team. I'm coming from the side of being someone who just likes football and drafty stuff altogether. Uh, I feel like the senior bowl has kind of eclipsed this. Not going to lie. Like an actual. Yeah. I think as
0: far as excitement for it. Yeah. I mean, people are excited for the senior bowl because it's a game, right? And you get the practices too.
1: Yeah. Like if you want the tape, you got all those practices.
0: Yeah. And guys are in pads and that's what really drag drags people down from, you know, that's where it gets the whole underwear Olympics nickname from (laughs) people like to make fun of the combine.
1: Yeah. But there's nothing, there's nothing more sexy still than like 40 times scores for a certain group of people out there certain sweat hogs, but Kent Kent has, of course, RAS scores. We're going to talk about that and kind of as a guide, like how to watch the combine, what you're looking for out there. But we start today with Lions news uh, timely enough because I made the joke that, uh, let's see, Twitter put out a mo- moment, I believe, saying there's some big Pokemon news on the way with a picture of Pikachu looking surprised. And I said that he is your new running backs coach. Lions did not take my advice on that. They have now hired a thing that I am pretty sure is not a Pokemon named. Let me squint to get his name here. Kyle Kasky. Nailed it. Kasky. I almost said Kasky, but uh, I knew that was wrong. Uh, let's see. Formerly of the Cincinnati Bengals. He is... How
2: many, how many years did he spend there, Jeremy? He was there since 2010. He's been their running backs coach since 2014.
1: Yeah, so, I mean, basic read on this guy is pretty much that he was part of the Marvin Lewis train that was there since the dawn of time itself, which makes this guy an ancient. Uh, Probably why he also looks like he's still in his 20s or whatever. Let's see here. But he was, how do we learn about this? He was basically spotted in Indianapolis at the Combine uh, in Lion's
2: gear. Yeah, I mean, (laughs) one thing about the NFL Combine that I actually find interesting is like, this is kind of the, time when news starts to burn virgin. Uh, rumors, about free agent. Well, rumors and news and all that, and, and this, I mean, it kicked off, this was literally the first day, we're, we're, ta- we're recording this Tuesday night, this was the day that the first set of players are reporting, and we already get a little bit of news, the Lions, uh, Kyle Kaske, obvious, Kasky. dang it! Uh, <laughs> already uh, spotted in Lions gear, and then uh, now confirmed by the Detroit media that he indeed is going to be the next running backs coach. Um, maybe he wasn't, maybe
0: he just showed up in lions gear. And then when people started reporting (laughs) it, they they were like, (laughs) I guess we still don't have a running back coach. I guess we may as well hire the guy. There you go, guys, wear your lions gear to any official event. And you have a good chance of getting hired (laughs) spotted there
1: that you could, man, you could be hired by the lions. Start making those paychecks. The lions have have already already
0: looking it up.
2: Mm -hmm. (laughs) But, I mean, this guy comes with a, a pretty good pedigree. I mean, you look at the the backfield of the Bengals, and they kind of have, have had a pretty good history of of talented backs. And whether they came in talented or, or Kasky helped make them more talented, you're talking about Giovanni Bernard, Rex Burkett, Jeremy Hill, um, Joe Mixon, you know, led the AFC in rushing yards uh, this year. So uh, they... I went over to, to Cincy Jungle, the, the SB Nation blog for the Bengals, and they they weren't exactly happy that they lost. I mean, part of them were like, you know what, we need a full clean house. We understand this move, but a lot of them are like, out of all of our positional coaches, this was the guy that we were probably the most happy with. So um, I think it's a smart hire, um, especially getting a guy who's used to working with young running backs, um, since obviously on Johnson is in the lines backfield. Um, I mean, this is all just their their continued commitment towards a running game, and I think this is a really good fit for him. and what's your take?
1: Yeah, I agree
0: with all that i mean the the lions are are trying to do something different with their run game, so it feels like it's a good time. David Walker was a pretty good coach, so I'm surprised that they're moving on Well, he retired right he just left yeah. the profession yep, but you know, it's it's a little sad to see him go he was he was one of our decent coaches, so it's you never want to see a good coach leave but and if you're replacing them with somebody better, I'm all for it. And this is a good hire. So we'll see where it goes. I do think it raises the chances of us drafting. I've already said before that we're probably going to draft at least one running back. But I think it raises the chances of it being an earlier round draft pick. Not a first round. Don't don't jump on that one. Definitely not in this draft. But uh, Like third or fourth round makes it a little bit more possible than it might have been before.
2: Hmm. I'm not sure what I think about that. <laughs> I mean, I not whether I agree or disagree with you, but I I'm kind of averse to to drafting running backs in the first two days of the draft, and I kind of w- made it well known that I wasn't a huge fan of the carry-on Johnson pick, other than I mean, I like the guy, I like the, the athlete, I like the individual. Uh I just don't like spending really what amounted to be a second and a fourth round pick uh to get him. And so adding more uh drafts uh you know, capital to to bolster that backfield doesn't seem like a great strategy to me. I know you want to keep it young, um, but to me, if you if your scheme is good, if your offensive line is good, you can throw sixth and seventh rounders out there and be okay. So I I wouldn't be a, a huge fan of, of a move like that, although I, I I don't necessarily disagree with your assessment that it's it's certainly possible for this team to make that sort of move. Well, you know where there's going to be more
1: running backs to even consider this when looking at Kasky? The Combine.
2: And we're going to turn our attention
1: right there. Anything else to say on Kasky? I I mean, it's a position coach. I got nothing else to say. It's fair.
2: That's fair.
0: He doesn't even have a Wikipedia page, so there really isn't a whole lot to say Wow! without, <laughs> without really digging into it. You don't
1: have a Wikipedia page in 2019. What is wrong with you? Excuse <laughs> me while I look something up real quick. Yeah, you don't.
2: Damn.
1: I was going to say, I was going to say Mansour is getting profiled over on like a white supremacist website (laughs) and I can't get on, on (laughs) Wikipedia. What's the world coming to (laughs) anyway? That's a joke. Let's talk about the combine. And I think Jeremy, you wanted to approach this as far as like what to look for over there, because apparently not looking at posted 40 times, no longer cuts it in today's cutting edge where you can watch all of this. You can buy tickets to go watch the combine in person and cheer on things or something. I don't know why you would pay money to go to the combine, but here we are. It is 2019. People are depraved. AAF ain't good enough for you. You need something else. You need something for that hype. So that's, yeah, I'm going to help you. We're going to help yeah. you learn to learn to combine
2: because I mean, there is so much information out there and not all of it is useful. Um, You know, certain we don't really need to know how fast a kicker is running a 40 time or or anything like that. So considering there's just this huge wave of data and information, um, I kind of want to parse through it and and figure out what what numbers are significant and maybe specifically how it relates to Lions and their needs. So we know the Lions need a tight end. We know the Lions need um, some help on the defensive line. We know they need a cornerback. Um, Kent is our expert on all this stuff, especially with data. He knows how to parse through the data and make it meaningful, which is where RAS started, um, you know, with your 10 point scale that kind of spits out an important number for, for each prospect at their respective position. So Ken, tell us what events are important to us, whether they're, you know, on field events, whether they're, you know, hand size, all that sort of stuff what sort of things should Lions fans really be paying attention to? And then um, I think in the second segment, we'll kind of get into more into individuals that you're interested in, in seeing how they perform this week.
1: Sure.
0: Yeah. The The first thing that we're going to be looking at for, for pass rushers is what their cone time is going to be. And what stinks about that is that's usually the last drill that we actually get to see. And they don't show a whole lot of it. They don't, they don't televise a lot of the shuttle, the agility drills, the shuttle and the cone, which is unfortunate because I think that if they did, people would get a really good understanding about why that drill is so important and why we look at that for pass rushers. Uh, for pass rushers, you want to have somebody that, that gets under a seven uh, seven seconds in the, in the three-cone drill. Uh, the reason for that is because a three-cone drill has a player running around a cone and coming back. They, they do that bend around the corner and run. It shows how, how the player is able to use their hip and their ankles to flex and how they're able to maintain their speed while changing direction around a very tight corner. Um, that's important as a pass rusher. If you can get around a corner as a pass rusher, you can get to the quarterback faster. And that's that's one of the most important drills, actually the most important drill for pass rushing. And overall, for any position, it's a really good indicator of success. You know, you want to look at a wide receiver that can move well in space. You want to know what their cone time is going to be, because that's a good indication of how a player is going to be able to do those type of things. So that's the one to really pay attention to for pass rushers. I don't think there's a whole lot of sub-seven pass rushers in this draft, guys that are going to run under that uh, seven-second mark. Uh, Josh Allen from Kentucky is one that probably will. Um, I know I've seen people say that um, Ja'Kai Polite from Florida will or uh, Brian Burns from Florida State will. I like both of those guys. I think they're going to do fine in that drill. Uh, If you don't make that seven-second mark, it's not the end of the world. You really just want to do not poorly. You don't ever want to do bad in that drill. So don't don't be don't be upset if the guy doesn't hit that seven second mark. That's like the very upper crust, top tier mark you can get. It's not the low water mark. If you have a guy that's running like a seven four or something like that, eh, it might be a little time to get worried. Uh, but Spe- I, you know,
2: yep. I just yeah, I just want to jump in. I know I know we're not going to talk a lot of individuals until next segment, but I think Cleveland Farrell is a guy that a lot of people are curious about. Do you do you have an idea of where where you think he's going to land on that spectrum? Yeah,
0: and that's going to be the most important drill that he runs to the mm-hmm. point where he might not even run it because he's worried about what time he's going to get. Sometimes yeah. you'll have players that skip drills completely. Um, Leonard Fournette did that a couple of years ago at running back. He just decided he wasn't going to do the agility drills because there was no way it was going to help him. Right. He knew he wasn't going to do well, so why run <laughs> him? Um, Farrell probably will, still will because this is the most important drill. It's one of those ones you can't really skip because that's what people are there to see you do. Uh, Farrell's not very good going around the edge. He has an, a, a very, very good first step. He's, he has a one, probably set best or second best in this class. I have Ja'Kai Polite rated best. A lot of other people say Farrell is. Uh, but his second and third step aren't that great, and he's horrible getting around the corner. So that three-cone drill is going to be very important for him. If he runs higher than that seven four seven five mark, like I'm almost certain that he will, uh, that's going to hurt his draft stock. And he could run very poorly in that drill and it wouldn't surprise me if he ran in the seven, 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 eight range I wouldn't be surprised and that's very poor right. for a pass rusher to have that kind of number and it, it, it I wouldn't be shocked at all um it's not the end of the world you know a guy like Cleland Farrell can still do really well in the explosion drills the vertical and the broad and the 10 yard split for the 40 when you do the 40 they do that 10 yard the first 10 yards right. if he does well in those three drills It'll kind of offset that a little bit having that poor cone time because you can you can you can sell yourself as being an explosive pass rusher who doesn't need to bend bend the edge, edge as much because you can get far enough past that offensive lineman or you can get inside and and get a little bit closer a shorter path to the quarterback you can sell that as a as a pass rusher and you, there's plenty of guys that do that. Uh, Bradley Chubb came out a couple years ago or was it last year? Very very recently he didn't have great bend but he had ridiculous explosion and the guy could get in, inside like it was nobody's business. And it didn't matter that he couldn't get around the edge super fast because he could still get to the quarterback fast. And that's the important part. So it's not the end of the world, but I don't expect him to do well at
1: all. In that all
2: right, let's uh, let's move on to tight ends because that's one where at least to me, I'm, I'm honestly not sure what's important athletically to have in a tight end. Obviously there, there are different kinds of tight ends and, and different uh, skill sets that are important, whether you're going to be a blocking one or a receiving one. But what are you looking for um, when it comes to tight ends at the combine?
0: Well, this is an easy one. So, tight ends is one of the most athletically dependent positions you can find in the NFL. So, when you have a guy that's coming at tight end, you want them to be good at everything. Mm. That's a little unfair because <laughs> you know, who's right. going to come in and be? Who's going to come in and just be great at everything? Well, the answer to that is almost all of the great tight ends. Yeah. So you, you want a guy that, that's that's going to be coming in at tight end. You want them to be fast. You want them to be explosive, and you want them to be quick. That covers almost every drill. <laughs> so if you have a guy that comes in and he's uh, 250 pounds, I expect him to run at, in the four six range at least. If you hit four seven, which is fast for a tight end, but you're only a 250 pound guy, that's not very good. You should be in the four six, even the four five range. Um, if you have a 270 pound tight end, that's a little different because now if you're running in the four eights, that's okay. As long as you have good explosive drills and at least decent agility drills. And this is where you're going to hear a lot throughout the combine. Oh, that's a really good score for his size. And, and tight end is one of those big positions where the for his size thing really comes into play because if you're not super fast, be big. Because you can, you're, the whole point about uh, being a pass-catching tight end is about creating space. And you can create space with size. A lot of guys do that. Rob Gronkowski doesn't win because he's fast. He's never been fast in his life. And he's a lot slower now because of all the injuries and getting a little longer in his career. But he was never a fast tight end. But he, he was, can create space because he's huge. And he's able to use his body to block out uh, defenders, block out linebackers, block out safeties, block out corners. So if you're a tight end that has that size, the speed doesn't really matter as much. And just like that 3 cone with pass rushers though, you don't want to hit that low water mark. You start hitting those 49s, it doesn't matter how big you are. If you're hitting the 49s, that's a poor score for a tight end. If you're hitting a poor a poor vert and a poor broad, that's poor for any position the tight end with no matter what your size is. Uh, the agility drills, it kind of depends on the type of tight end that it is. You know, the, the NFL's been kind of le- leaning towards a more lean uh, the super athletic tight ends, the guys that are like OJ Howard, George Kittle is a great example. Who I still don't get how he went in the fifth round. That, that blows my mind every time I see that. Um, but those type of guys, you know, they're, they're fast, they're quick, they're, they're, they're agile for a guy that size. And you, you, you want those guys to be able to do that because that's again, creating space. You're able to use that agility, put space between you and the defender to be able to go up and get a pass. The bigger you are, the less that matters, because you're not trying to use wiggle when you're Rob Gronkowski size. You know, Levine Toilolo isn't the greatest example of a receiving tight end, but you're never going to look at Levine Toilolo and think, "Oh man, that guy is like just super agile and he's he's able. He's like a like a cat the <laughs> way that he moves." You're you're never going to have that, but you can still be effective as a pass catcher as long as you're you're explosive and you have some kind of speed. So. Um, it's it's an amalgamation of things, but it, it really does depend on the type of tight end that you are for what kind of metrics you want to pay attention to, uh, and it it kind of makes sense when you start to look at it.
1: All right, uh, I think we're going to take a quick break here. We're kind of into our segment one. We're going to segment two. I want to pick Ken's uh, brain and be a little self congrat self involved. I guess is the right word I'm looking for. I want to talk about Ras pretty much and what he does because. Soon enough, even if you don't know too much about Ken or don't follow him on Twitter, why why are you not following him on Twitter? It's at Math You should go follow him on Twitter. You're going to see his RAS scores probably bandied around. You might as well explain what those are. It's kind of our annual explainer on that. Get into more positions and other guys to watch for. We continue next after this break on the Pride of Detroit EOD cast. Stick around. And back again, Pride of Detroit PODcast, your quick and dirty guide to the NFL Combine. The dirty is that it all is bad and terrible. No. Uh, Ken, you're with us at MathBomb. I will give out his Twitter again one more time. He's on our payroll. He does the good stuff. He gets paid the big bucks because of it. And you laugh because, yeah, yeah, Jeremy's laughing. We're all
2: bloggers and we know what the, yeah, big, bucks the big bucks We, we all said, get the big I bucks. That is. too.
0: I was just muted.
2: we all get the big bucks
1: here everyone gets the big bucks big bucks kent that's your nickname big bucks kent i want to ask you then about ras because these are your little scorecards you throw together here uh you put them together every combine season it's kind of a big metric you got for all the different physical uh Physical, I guess we'd say physical scores. How do you want to describe it as, as far as like the, the top down overall look of it?
0: Sure. The RAS stands for relative athletic scores. Um, it is an athletic measurement. It's, it's a, uh, a combined metric that looks at all the athletic measurements that we get from a player. There's 10 of them. You have your size, height, and weight, you have your speed, your 40, 20, and 10 split, your bench for strength. You have your explosion drills in the vert and broad, and then you have your agility drills in the shuttle and cone. So it covers pretty much every the whole spectrum of athleticism. Uh, it compares each of those drills to every player that's, that's been at that position that I have measurements for since 1987. It's almost at 20,000 players now. Um, it compares to all those players at that position, and it creates a 0 to 10 score. Uh, those scores are all combined together, which creates an average. That average is then compared to every average for every player, uh, going again back to 1987. And then that provides a final zero to 10 score to tell you hey, how athletic is this guy on a zero to 10 scale? Uh, zero being, of course, the lowest of the low, um, and guys I could name off that you wouldn't care about because no one's ever heard of them. Uh, and then the tens, like Calvin Johnson, Cam Newton, Luke Keekley was at one point. You know those are the guys that you're going to remember because those are the super athletes, and their their numbers show it. Um, it's been a fairly good indicator of success. I went on and did a a, a write up on the cornerbacks on my Twitter account. I was planning on putting an article together. I didn't get time because of injury, but uh, you know, for cornerbacks, the top 20 cornerbacks uh, that were drafted in the first round for Raz, almost every single one of them was either a Pro Bowler, a guy who should have gone to a Pro Bowl. Or two guys that were drafted very recently who both had very good uh, starts to their NFL career and are likely headed to Pro Bowl soon. So there are some positions where it's a very good indicator of success, and and I'll be doing that again this year. Um, I'll be posting thousands of these things. So uh, if you follow me at MathBomb, you will see every single card that I can get. I'm very accessible if you have a question about it, if you don't understand something, if you can't download it, the application is free. You can download it from my website at uh, relativeathleticscores.com. Um, if it doesn't work for you and you're having issues with it, get a hold of me and I'll
1: help out pimp, any way pimp, that I can. Pimp some more, pimp some more. There you go. Good, yeah. yeah, yeah. That's what I <laughs> 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 Jeremy, that want to see here.
2: Ha ha ha. Jeremy, you want to? Yeah, go on, Jeremy. Well, I was just gonna say, I'm glad he mentioned uh, cornerback because that was one of the positions we didn't get to talk about in our first segment. Yeah, and you, yes, I think continue
1: on. Bridge, bridge the gap. Bridge it, the it, segments.
2: <laughs> I mean, it's also very, I think, relevant to to Lions fans because we had our own issue with. Athleticism in a quarterback that we we drafted recently in Tease Tabor, and a lot of people scoffed it off. So you know what is his speed isn't all that important. He can he can you can't measure heart. Else. You can't measure heart. All that sort of stuff. Such so, determination, though. I'm I'm kind of putting you on the spot here. Do you remember what Tease Tabor's overall RAS score was? And and I know you were very against the pick at the time because of it.
0: I'm gonna pull it up right now just so I can it be accurate. But it was not. Great I think at at the combine, so the scores change a little bit. it's a relative score, so as right. I'm adding more data, the scores will change. They lock in after the draft season and then they'll just have a permanent score from then on uh but it was in the high threes, I think when the combine first ended, and low five is bad um and you want a guy to be above the eight range uh Tabert's score was a four point one three, which is bad. Tabor. So if you have a bad score, you can it, it's it's not just a be all end all, because if you have a bad score, but you have certain individual metrics that stand out, that can still be beneficial, except that he didn't. And <laughs> the metrics, the metrics that he was the worst in were some of the most important metrics right. for a, a cover corner to have. So his, his 40 time was obviously terrible. He had a, He ran a four, six, two. Uh, but his, his vert and his broad were both poor. His vert was terrible. He had a 31-inch vertical, which is in the bottom 10th percentile, which is awful. Right. So you don't want that. So it wasn't a pretty picture, and we're hoping to avoid those types of guys this year and hopefully at least get a, a decent level of athleticism at the position. Darius Slay was in the high eights. So you want a you wanna guy that's that kind of athletic.
2: So So what specific... Athletic traits in cornerbacks. Are we looking at now? Speed is obviously something that Lions fans know they want now. Um, and 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 who do you expect maybe to to be in those high eight numbers or nine or ten um, come this combine? It,
0: it it's really easy for cornerback to break it apart because you have two basic types of cornerback, right? You have your man corners and your zone yep. corners. Right. Nichols are their own thing, but they still call, fall into that same basic you know man or zone, right? Yep. So man corners are the guys that you generally expect to be bigger. So you want them to have good height, good weight, good arm length. And although that fact doesn't factor into the scores, it's still something you want to pay attention to. Uh, you want them to have a good 40 time. Uh, it's nice for them to be explosive and have good, have good explosive metrics. It's not as necessary as it would be for a zone corner. Same thing with the agility drills. It's, it's for, the, for a man corner, it's more about hitting those benchmarks. You don't want to be poor, but you don't necessarily have to be elite uh, for explosion and agility because you're just going to be mirroring. As long as you have good speed and you're, you have good tape, obviously, then, then that generally works itself out. For zone corner, size isn't as important. You have guys like Denzel Ward that came out last year, uh, not the, the biggest dude at all. He was very small, but he was, had great explosive metrics, and that's where explosion comes in. You want a guy with a good vert and a good broad. Um, and If they have a good vert and a good broad, chances are you're going to hear them talked about as a zone corner type. Uh, that was my biggest concern when Tabor came out. Everybody talked about the speed. My biggest concern was his lack of explosion because we ran a primarily zone scheme under Terrell Austin, um, and then we moved, of course, to a man scheme this last year. But uh, you want a guy that's going to be explosive, and the agility scores tend to matter a little bit more because you have guys that are, are working in space, right? They're not just manned up on a guy trying to keep, keep pace with him. They're in space, and they have to be able to close on something. That's why the explosion drills are so big. And their agility drills are important because not only do you have to be able to close, you got to be able to navigate through traffic. you got to be able to deal with a pick play. you got to be able to get around guys that are trying to force you to get into a bad position so you have to make up ground. So those drills tend to be a little bit more important for zone corners. The speed doesn't really matter as much, uh, but your 10-yard split does for zone corners. So for man corners, size and speed, and then just hitting those baseline marks for the other stuff. For zone corners, you want somebody that's, that's explosive and generally agile
2: do you have uh do you have some specific names thrown out there that you you expect to maybe show I, I, let, let's talk more about the man coverage guys since that's more relevant to the lions needs at this point anyone you expect to to kind of show up big in indianapolis this week
0: sure so my one of my favorite players and right now he's my cb1 that might change i've i've Waffled a bit my corner rankings, but Amani Oruwari from Penn State, despite mm-hmm. having one of the best names to say,
2: absolutely which rolls
0: off your tongue. Uh, I, I expect Oruwari to, to measure fairly well as a man corner. He is primarily a man guy, he does a little bit of both, but he's primarily a man coverage guy. Uh, I expect his 40 time to be in the low four fives, high four fours, uh decent speed. I've I've counted him stylistically to Darius Slay. And we know that Darius Slay fits in this defense. So, hey, let's grab another one. (laughs) Um, He's probably going to go right around where our second round pick is. He might see his stock rise if he has a good combine. Uh, On the other end of the spectrum, you have another straight man corner in uh, DeAndre Baker from Georgia. Baker isn't expected to measure as well. Uh, I'm pretty down on how I think Baker is going to measure. I don't think he's going to measure as poorly as Tease did but he's also smaller than tees. So hmm. his his ultimate score might be a little bit lower, even if he measures a little bit better. Uh, Chris Boyd is another guy I expect, I don't know if I expect him to measure well. I, he, his 2017 tape looked really good, and some of those guys like, oh yeah, that guy's probably gonna show out of the combine. And then his 2018 tape was on, and you're like, did he get replaced? Did something happen? I don't know what's going on. Uh, but Chris Boyd is a guy who could see his stock rise if he does good good athletically. Uh, he has both man and zone cover traits, primarily a man guy. Um, but he's one that I would keep an eye on. Savion Smith, I've seen him mock to the Lions a couple of times in the, in the not in the first round, but in the third and later. Uh, he's from Alabama. He's a good man cover corner. Um, Rock Yassin, another yes. guy with a great name. Yes. Out of Temple. Uh, Temple has this really unique thing that they do where they give all the, the toughest players on their team single-digit jersey numbers. Uh, and Rock, Rocky Sin was given that the moment he walked on campus so he's <laughs> he's a guy to keep an eye on despite having a great name he had a really poor well, not a really poor senior but he had a poor senior bowl um, but he's still very well thought of he has very good tape I expect him to measure very well I expect him to be in that eight probably high eight low nine range um, but he's definitely a name to keep out for just because I'm sure they're gonna say it a thousand times because it's so fun <laughs>
1: All right, you get one more, Jeremy, then we got to move on to our mailbag. You got anything else you want to talk about for the draft?
2: Let me, let me do two very lightning, okay. lightning lightning questions here. All right. All right. Guy with the most to prove this week that might be of interest to the Lions.
0: Oh, that's probably going to be Cleland Farrell. We already talked about him a little bit. Farrell has, like, as, I, as I said, a very good first step. His first step is very, very good. And his hand uses, usage is amazing. He's a very technically proficient pass rusher. He's the type of guy that you would expect Matt, Matt Patricia to look at. If he comes into the combine and measures not just above average, because I don't think that'll be enough, but if he measures even close to that elite range as, as an athlete, then that's going to be somebody that's going to be very intriguing. Because with all the other traits that he has, he shows some athletic potential. He's got to be a top guy in this draft. And, and, People who follow me on, on Twitter are probably going, well, you, you are down on him a lot. Yeah, it's because I don't expect him to measure well. <laughs> right. But if he does, if he does, that makes him a very interesting prospect to follow. Uh, guy right, with I mean, the most to lose. Huh? Yeah, you know, go exactly. ahead. Go ahead. Finish, finish that thought. I was going to say, guy with the most to lose would be Greedy Williams. Greedy Williams mm-hmm. has been, been uh, mocked in the top 10 forever. He's considered the top cornerback by a lot of people. But I've heard a lot of rumblings about his athletic ability. I've thought he's fine on tape. But I've heard that he won't run in the five fours. He'll definitely run in the high four fives. That's really going to hurt him. He's primarily a man coverage corner. Uh, LSU does a lot of both, both zone and man, but they're primarily a man scheme. If he runs in that high four five range and doesn't do as well in the explosion explosion metrics, but I'm, not, I'm I think he'll do okay. I don't think he'll do great in those. That's really going to hurt his stock. So I think Greedy Williams probably has the most to lose out of any player in this this combine. All
2: right, last one, really quick. Just want an answer of a name. Who is one guy that's going to surprise everybody this week? Julian
0: Love out of Notre Dame. If
2: Julian Love there, measures... No, no, no.
0: Don't do anything else. I want a
1: <laughs> mystery yeah. to the people out there. We need to have mystery. Julian Love. Julian Love, Notre Dame. Bam. There you have to find out why you have to go to pridedetroit.com. Maybe. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if Ken's doing writing anything about it. I just wanted to do that.
2: Well, cool. I got it now. <laughs> or well, pre- go to it. at math bomb at math bomb at math bomb. <laughs>
1: yeah at math bomb do that too but you know what going to at math bomb doesn't get us paid the big bucks though jeremy
2: no going to at mailbag does you got
1: that right hashtag ask pod that's next i'm getting gassy here again oh man i why do i drink pop when we do these podcasts we'll be right back on the pride of detroit pod cast Mail time. Mail time. Oh. Mail time. The news here. Here's the mail. It never fails. It makes me wanna wag my tail. When it comes, I wanna wail. Mail time. Hashtag askbod. As always, get your questions in. We had a pretty light one, in spite of the fact that we're recording pretty late. But we'll, it's a lot more of the same. People are not sending us the funny questions right now. They're sending us a lot of... Uh, I had to take a couple questions out of here. Some of y'all are wilding out really way too hard. We have not even got to the Bob Craft news. I'm just even bringing that up because someone has sent us a very inappropriate... Like, inappropriate for me kind of thing to bring up here.
2: Wow. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. That's, that's saying something.
1: Yeah, no. I, I have lines I don't cross. Martha Ford at one of these spas is one of those. All right. Jesus. You had to say it. You had to say it. I, you know, I don't know what goes through people's heads. All right. Let's start with uh, something a little more on the draft and free agency talk. And then I will ease into what else we have. Uh, Actually, this is a good one here. Going back to our combine talk. Uh, From preseason champs. He's asking us what quarterback and guards should we play? Should we, Pay. He he wrote play. I'm not screwing it up. Should we pay close attention to to realistically for possible landing spots? L- okay. The questions. The the question is which QB and guard should we pay attention to? Oh, okay. Okay. The grammar's screwing me up. There. Bam.
0: So quarterbacks is pretty easy because we're probably not going to pick one early, right? We're We're Metal expecting Greer the lines <laughs>
1: Metal Greer solid.
0: I love Greer. I hope we take a look at him. So if anybody has has actually watched Will Greer and they're a basketball fan, they're going to know what a fadeaway jumper is, right? And that is not normally a football term. It doesn't have any business being a football term. But if you watch Will Greer and you know what a fadeaway jumper is, you now understand him as a passer because every single pass, whether he has pressure in his face or – Anyone, the pressure I would understand.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> he's falling back and throwing off of, his, off of really weird balance. But I love the dude. he's So much fun to watch. I hope, I hope the Lions look at him, even though I don't expect them to look at him.
1: Very cool uh, story, the, too.
0: Yeah, He is. He's a great guy. You should look him up. He's fun. Uh, the guys I expect them to actually look at are going to be Jordan Ta'amu from Mississippi. I love him. I think whatever team Jim Caldwell on is going to end up with him, though. Um, From a character perspective, looking at backup quarterbacks, there's more than you look at than just arm strength and accuracy. There's football intelligence. There's character. There's the ability to learn offenses. Jordan Ta'amu checks all of those boxes. I think he's going to be very well coveted uh, in the mid-rounds for a a backup quarterback position to whatever team Jim Caldwell is currently on. Uh, A guy I think the Lions are going to be interested in, and it's weird because I'm, I'm not high on him, but I think the Lions will be, is Gardner Minshew. Uh, I, I, he's a a weird, he's a weird guy. It is a great name, right? Gardner. It should be a last name Minshew. I don't even know what that is. Um, but he's, he's an intriguing prospect. He's got a lot of good passing traits, but his, it's, his lows are so low that I'm not very high on him as a passer, but I feel like the lions will be. He has a lot of those developmental traits that the Patriots used to pick up. And he's a guy I think that they're going to look at. So, those, those are probably the big names to pay attention to. Jordan Tamu from Mississippi State, from Mississippi <laughs> and Mississippi State. Uh, Gardner Minshew from Washington State. Um, those are the All guys I right. would pay attention to.
1: Cool. We didn't get to guards there, but uh, we should probably move on and get someone else's question in there. So, let's see. Uh, another quarterback question, actually. Jacob Music, which teams are most likely going to trade up to get a quarterback? Oof. what do you think jeremy what do you think jeremy what's your what's your eye on the pulse of this, or do you only do lions
2: <laughs> it's it's i mean i I try because this is also kind of relevant to the lions' needs uh i mean it, it's certainly important i i mean i i obviously Denver just traded for Joe Flacco or they will be trading for joe Flacco. i don't Jesus. think that necessarily means that they're out of the race for a first round quarterback. Um, yeah, I, think, I mean,
1: if, if Denver settling on Joe Flacco, John Elway is <laughs> kind of <lost> <laughs> right,
2: right. But I mean, uh, there are a lot of teams kind of in that nine to 15 range that, that might be looking Miami, Denver, um, probably not Buffalo, but Cincy might be looking, um, Washington, uh, I think
0: Cincinnati might trade Dalton and trade and trade up for a quarterback. I think they might use him as part of a trade package to move up. Ooh.
2: Well, see that. I hope, I hope the lines aren't on the receiving end of that.
0: <laughs> <Would you laughs> no, Just uh, maybe from a future. three-way trade. Right there, we yeah. go.
1: I mean, Jeremy, would you would you take who would you take first, Dalton or Flacco? Lord. <laughs> Give me the an bullet? answer.
2: I can't say the bullet. <laughs> no, there is no bullet. The the gun <laughs> is empty. <laughs> I think not a not a bullet, but a red rocket. <laughs> there you go. I, <laughs> I'll Jesus take the. Oh, I don't. I almost just said I'll take the red rocket, but um, uh, Andy Dalton is my answer. Let's move on. Isn't it red rifle anyway?
0: Oh, who cares? <laughs> yeah, you just wanted, you just wanted. to get him go. to say
1: red rocket. You just wanted Jeremy to say red rocket. I, I did. That was the. Whole I've said goal. red rocket more than a few times. Mm. I
0: have a bingo card off to the side.
1: Uh, okay next question here from david bernier 94 which of the major four sports leagues do you think is operating best overall in terms of how the commissioner is leading the sport and how they are working to improve i mean um, this is not a high bar to clear who wants, I,
0: I who wants honest- the answer no one wants to
2: hear i mean i, I, honest- I, like having, I have an answer i was having this this discussion with, uh, with a buddy of mine while I was out. And I I immediately said the NBA. And I think the reason I said that was the way that they treat their players, you know, with the fully guaranteed contracts and the way they let them be themselves. So their personalities are out there. And it seems like the, the cool league, like I think we've we talked about a couple of times in the show, it it seems like it's the one experiencing the most growth. But at the same time, it's also one of the least competitive leagues in that we know the four best teams from week one on and so if
1: only four if four <laughs> yeah
2: if if there are four so it, it's hard to i mean the, the thing is that the league is still interesting especially in the playoffs i think i think the basketball has one of the most underrated playoff seasons of, yeah. of all the four sports but um I, I still think it's basketball even though i don't find the regular season of basketball at all interesting
1: well, I would say, too, like we can talk about that there's not that many uh, teams in the NBA that are going to be there competitive, but that's all that's almost always been the case for the NBA, too. It's just right. that it used to only be one and two. Now we're thinking maybe three or four.
2: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so, I, I think part of the issue, though, yeah. is that te- the players are kind of dictating where they're where they're going. And you can right. do that and, as a good thing I or mean, a bad thing.
1: that it's kind of it's it's funny because i i watch a lot of basketball and i feel like it's the player max contract coming to bite them Mm -hmm. bite the league back in the butt in many which ways like because it was originally this idea that you don't want to you know get make owners not overspend for players or whatever but at the same time now it's kind of created the incentive for people it's like all right well if i'm only going to earn x out of this then yeah why not take pay cuts and go Play for Golden State or whatever. It's kind of an actual like Patriots thing working in that favor. At least for Golden State, for other teams, yeah. it's a little more dynamic. I would say though, like I, I I say the NBA wins by default because the NFL is a mess. Roger Goodell is awful. Uh, the the hockey is somehow has an even worse commissioner. Um, <laughs> so you want to hear? You want to hear the answer baseball, that no one wants to hear? No? I mean, well, the answer l- that I mean, no one wants yeah. to
0: hear is that that's yeah. You go
1: ahead. No, I was, I was going to add to, to, to to round this out, like major league baseball. I mean, they're, they're heading, they're going to be heading for a lockout or a strike very soon. Their, their situation when it comes to free agency is deteriorating more rapidly than the NFL Mm -hmm. in that guys are only hitting free agency and bartering for what they're worth almost near 30. And then teams are just stiffing them completely. And it's, It's, it's not going to hold up. No one on the player side is going to be happy about that. The fact that Manfred is instead sitting over there whittling away his days like, Oh, what if we add a clock to the pitch count? He's makes him completely clueless in my book. (laughs) I care a lot about baseball and I'm very charged up about this kind of stuff. And, but I mean, I would also posit and I'll let you that you get to it, Kent. I would also though caution like just because the NBA is the winner here, I don't think it makes it great. There are some problems with the league and Adam Silver got a nice little bit of push because he did stand up to uh you know Donald Sterling and kicked him out when he was fresh and right out of the gate and he said some good things but at the end of the day like commissioners should not be the end all be all of their sports and if anything they're kind of not someone you should even like to begin with but i mean i don't know it's still That's early for sure so yeah <laughs> Like, these, aren't, these guys aren't your friends. Leagues, the leagues themselves are not your friends. Yep. But people side with those leagues over the players a lot of the times. So I will never understand it. Sorry, Kent, you were going to get in there with something. No.
0: so I, I, I hate, People are going to hate this answer, but I, I 100% believe this, which is that the only answer you can have is the NFL. And as much as people hate Roger Goodell because he's the bad guy, how much money is the NFL making? How big is the salary cap getting? The AAF came out as a developmental league for the NFL, and some of those games had better ratings than basketball at the time. An established sport with an established fan base lost out to a developmental league in markets like markets that already have pro teams. And the NFL continues to make money, and they're, they're gonna continue to make money. And the only thing that's keeping them from making more money is expanding, but we've got two other leagues that are starting up. So unless these other leagues come out and somehow manage to totally wipe out the NFL in a competitive market and force them to rethink things, there really can't be a better answer than the NFL. They're rolling well, would, cash right now. They're flush. And it's only going to get bigger, and it's only going to get better. And I was I, with I you right up until that last sentence.
1: I was with you up until that last sentence because I'm not sure if it can get bigger. Or better. It's already pretty big as it is. And like people can say, oh, the ratings are down here or there because of reason X that fits political opinion Y, but at the same time, too, like baseball was fine until it wasn't fine. So I, I would be careful about that with football. That's all I'm going to say. Like baseball was sport. fine until <laughs> I mean <laughs> Overwatch League just started up, folks.
2: Little oh boy. No? Right. Esports think- is a
1: competitive thing now. It is. Uh, I don't think Overwatch League is your answer, though. <laughs> but, I mean, I watched some of it. Uh, I will say Apex Legends is fun. Jeremy does not play it enough, though. He's still over on the f- Fortnite kick. All right. I don't um, know it yeah. Detroit fan in Wisconsin. Did you guys see the article that ESPN had on our Monty Bryant? Hope everything works out for him and his family.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I did. actually
1: did. Yeah. It's a sad story. Very sad it? story. Yeah. Just.
2: Yeah, I mean, basically, you know, Amante Bryant was in the middle of his NFL career. He had just moved on from the Lions, and I think he's with the Raiders, and, um, you know, they they were doing the normal physical and and saw just alarming numbers, and turns out he needs dialysis four, five times a day now, and, and that has basically made him, you know, home, like, locked into his home, can't leave his home because... He has to, you know, inject blood and do all this because his kidneys are failing. And now he needs a kidney transplant. And um, the the striking thing to me about the story is just how much of the rest of your body functions while you're almost dying. Um, Because he said himself, like, didn't feel tired, didn't feel anything. I was going on. I was working out. I was strong. I was, you know, in my athletic shape but I was dying and, and there was no signs of it other than the blood work. And so um, it, it's just kind of amazing that your life can turn around on a dime when, you know, essentially nothing seems like it's going wrong.
1: Can we do something for that? Like, I mean, I don't know if there's like a drive starting up or anything. Just uh curious on that.
2: Uh, Throwing not, it out there. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not sure um, if, if you guys are looking for the article, of Michael Rothstein, the, the Lions blog, or Lions, uh, beat writer for espn had the article and 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 it's long and thorough and uh has information on what he the the specific disease that he has and and things like that so if you're interested check it out um and yeah i guess do research on your own to to figure out exactly how you can help out um i I don't think you can like offer your kidney to him specifically or anything (laughs) like that but um but yeah just just uh i'd highly recommend reading the story just as a nice reminder of uh you know the the physical commitment that it takes to the game and just reminding that these are people behind the the helmets all right can't stand
1: you at lion twit s p i i need to stop reading twitter handles this is just where my dyslexia is getting to me uh around the nfl just predicted that stafford is going to get traded to miami any thoughts to expand on this they said they could try to get a first and third round pick Trade up in the draft, get Kyler Murray. Jeremy, go ahead. I was just hoping for one word. I was hoping for stop.
0: I'm just glad you didn't throw it to me. Have fun, Jeremy.
2: No. No. That that's my word. No. <laughs> the Michael Scott gift. No! 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 TDH, just no. Hey, I don't care do what all this stuff is. Do
1: you want to dive from, into man. the
0: worst? You wanna dive into the worst quarterback market in the last six years? Does that sound like a good idea to do? Should we do that? Should we move on from the no! for now?
1: Dear God, no, <laughs> no. I like how we can have entire draft seasons, by the way, now where these guys can go play in college and no one can think like I wasn't thinking for a second watching Oklahoma football. Kyler Murray, first round draft pick in the NFL. I was watching him, and I was not thinking about that at all, even with offensive innovations happening right before our eyes when it comes to the NFL finally adopting some college stuff. But I was not thinking for a second that this man is going to be a first-round draft pick. And yet, look what happens. We get to January, we get to February, and everyone paints themselves up into a frothing mess and sells you this, this stuff. Like, come on. I test. Yeah, no. I test it's on not that a thing. I'll, I'll wait for Kent's scores well, and everything. But yeah, into it. They do. They, they, they absolutely do. Like, you know, names just appear out of thin air. Like, I think I even asked you or someone else, like during the fo- college football season is like, maybe the kid from Oregon, maybe he's going to be a first round draft pick, but no one was thinking about Kyler Murray.
0: No, it was uh, Justin Herbert is the guy you're trying to think of. Uh, and everybody was talking about the 2020 guys it was all about Tua Tagovailoa mm-hmm. and uh Jake Fromm and guys like that it was all about who's coming out in 2020 nobody was talking about this class cuz it's garbage uh Will Greer who we already talked about Mr. Fadeaway jumper he was being talked about as a first round now noodle arm Daniel Jones is being talked around as a, still talked about as a top 15 pick right now i have no idea what teams are going to take quarterbacks from this draft and think they're going to be successful i don't see a one well, I, I take that back. I do see a one. I, I like Dwayne Haskins from Ohio State. I think he's got a lot of potential. But even him, I think he needs a Pat Mahomes sit year. I think he needs to take a little time before he jumps into the NFL. One year of starting in college doesn't tell me, oh yeah, that's a that's a pro quarterback. You know, I, I saw. I was trying to find it while we were talking, but I saw the perfect encapsulation of of where Kyler Murray sits. I think, as far as from a franchise standpoint. And that was what they were talking about, where he would have fell last year. And it, he would have been below Baker Mayfield, below Darnold and Rosen, and on the same level as Josh Allen, but maybe above Lamar and a couple of the other guys from the class. And I was thinking, man, Josh Allen was one of the least accurate quarterbacks in, I've ever seen in college. And they're sitting here going, this potential number one overall pick is on that same level. Uh, no, like you said, no.
2: Guys, the Lions benefit if these quarterbacks are hyped up more and get picked before them, so can you stop, please? Tyler I mean, Murray yes. is a god.
1: There we go. Yes. Needs he to is happen. He is Apollo. All right, two more questions here. We're getting late into the mailbag. I've got to cut a bunch of stuff here. Let's see, what do we have? We've got two more questions here. Uh, let's start with this one from Claire. She sent this to us a little bit ago, uh, before I started asking for questions. Again, you can do Ask VOD at any time, folks, and I will see it. Bob Kraft got caught hiring prostitutes. What crimes would you expect Martha Ford to have committed? <laughs> this is this this is the question that will get this show into trouble. Finally,
0: stabbing someone with a knitting needle.
1: Jesus. Oh, by the way, um, she she. Aden- makes an addendum to this white collar crime and traffic doesn't count too boring of an answer. Claire, I disagree. You should see some of the stuff that happens in sec filings. Like that, you can absolutely make some white collar crime hilarious and just how brazen and awful it is. That is my
2: white yarn. Edna. <laughs> Yikes.
1: Jeremy, do you have an answer for this?
2: I feel like this is a minefield and I'm going to stay the hell away from it.
1: Um, yeah, I think I should do the same. (laughs) I was going to say that um, I'd be curious what she does with her time down in Miami sometime. But uh, other than that, I have nothing else to say on this thing. Actually, you know what? My lawyer is telling me right now to step away and go to the final question. Harrington HOF. Do you anticipate an NFL return for Jim Harbaugh soon? He's not exactly setting the world on fire at Michigan and objectively had far more success at San Francisco. If he has another disappointing season in Ann Arbor, he has a strong chance of getting the axe. So I wanted to approach this question. Usually, I think we've taken this question about a grand total of like 20 times in the past two years, Jeremy. Yeah. Let me just say this because I I had to laugh about this because I was going back listening to some some of our older tapes and uh, I had completely forgotten. I did that one segment with uh, my friend uh, Sam Dodge, who's now working at Heavy.com. Congratulations to him. He when we were kind of laughing at the idea of, uh, oh man, why the Arizona Cardinals head coach? Why can't I remember his name? All of a sudden,
0: yeah, it was fired to the new one. You got
1: to keep up on the these new things. one. It's the new three one in the last three years. <laughs> the new one, the, the one that <laughs> they just uh, Cliff swiped from Kingsbury. us. Cliff Kingsbury. Thank you. It was like a K was on the end of my tongue and I couldn't get it out. Um, no. So like we had a laugh. We said Cliff Kingsbury wasn't going to the NFL. And we were proved immediately wrong. (laughs) And I think we said the same about Jim Harbaugh, that he's happy at Michigan and he would, like it would have to end very poorly for him to leave Michigan. And I still stand by that though. And more, more to the point too. Yeah. He had a lot of success success at San Francisco, but I would also say that uh, he, I mean, he kind of had to put up with some pretty rough years against the Seahawks there too, which is what Michigan has been dealing with, with Ohio state. And let's also not forget how it ended in San Francisco too, with ownership, literally like sabotaging the entire premise of him being there. Like it wasn't exactly flowers and sunshine at San Francisco. So I don't
2: know, Jeremy, you're the Michigan man. I l- Listen, I'm not that upset with the Jim Harbaugh era. Like obviously, I want to beat Ohio State more than we have. Obviously, I want this team to compete for the playoffs, but let's not pretend like they've been super far away from accomplishing those goals.
1: They just lose a weird game to Purdue every now and then or something and then lose to Ohio State. I don't know if they've actually lost to Purdue.
2: I mean, there are, what, like four or five juggernauts in, in the NCAA right now, and sure, Michigan wants to be one, but, I mean, they've been knocking on the door. They've almost beaten Ohio State a couple times. Like, there was the overtime game, which they probably should have won. Maybe they didn't come close last last year, but you know they 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 played relevant football all the way into November. They were in the conversation for the playoffs. Towards the end, I, I mean, I, I don't know. I'm I'm not that upset. Like you also have to think about the alternatives. This, this team was we're not relevant get- at all for almost a full decade before he came in. So I don't know. I'm I'm, and and we we talk about it all the time the NFL is not necessarily a step up for some of these college coaches. And I think Jim Harbaugh is happy with where he is. Is Michigan happy with him? Probably they're, I mean, I don't think they're upset with him. They want him to be better, but they're not pissed here's at the him. The other
1: thing. Yeah. I mean, here's the other thing too. You're dealing with an era where the big 10 is not dominant at football. Like, sorry to all the fans out there. It's not, like the SEC is running rings around y'all. Uh, the recruiting areas are no longer in the Midwest. They're out west in like California and Texas and Florida. Those are where the big those are the big recruiting states now. You're not getting the best athletes out of the Midwest anymore. It's just what it is. The only quib- quibble I can have with Harbaugh is basically his bowl record. Now, I mean, granted, I he's gone to quite that. a few, but he's only like one one, and how many he's lost? Like what three? But, I mean... I heard, a, I heard a
0: prediction that I think you guys would get a kick out of about Harbaugh. Uh, a buddy of mine at work mentioned that he thinks that P.J. Fleck will get his shot in the NFL and fail before John, before Harbaugh even gets another shot in the NFL.
1: P.J. <laughs> Fleck, man. P.J. Wow. Fleck, wow. What's this? I completely did not. I don't even know his record in Minnesota, to be honest.
0: I've heard he's been a little bit disappointing, but I think the greatest. Oh, yeah. Thing Five about and EJ seven, Fleck seven and six. Just, yeah. Fleck is just, he's the greatest jerk in the universe. And I love, I love every story I hear about people who have met him. It's, it's, it's one oh, I've of met my, him. my favorite things to hear. <laughs> I've met him.
1: I, I actually met him when he was still at Western Michigan. I was oh, covering oh. Mac. I was covering Mac Media Days. I think in 2015. It was before. It was like yeah, 2015, the year like literally a few months before I came on the Pride of Detroit. Um, and he was very energetic. He was nonstop talking with the press so much that he was supposed to go on the air with CBS Sports, uh, with CBS Sports Network, who was covering Mac Media Days on their channel. And they hit the mind, the, the media minder was there just gently trying to prod him away from the written press so he could go on the air. And he just would not stop talking. He just kept going. He would not, he would not leave the spotlight to go to an actual spotlight. It was beautiful. Was all of
0: it about himself?
1: No, it was just all about just getting the message out there, man. Whoever is, whoever's got a question, PJ Fleck will come up to you and he will answer it for you. And if you're the first on the scene, he will give you the time until you are the one who's satisfied.
0: <laughs> that's one of the few positives I've heard about him.
1: I I I guess. <laughs> like, I mean, I, I'm putting my best spin on that. Again, obviously, like kind of bad if you're if you're you know flaking out on going on TV, but hey, you know, whatever. <laughs> Shout out to the Mac. I think that's the best way we're gonna end this uh this podcast mail back. Thanks there. for yeah, great way to watch the Mac. The Mac is good. Mac-tion. Shen. right, everyone. We'll see you next time. See you star side. Thank you for listening to the Pride Detroit POD cast. We are on iTunes and Stitcher. Our main theme was produced by Brian Shepard. You can find him on Twitter and on SoundCloud at... I am Brian Shepard I-A-M-B-R-I-A-N S-H-E-P-A-R-D Thanks a lot to him Check out his stuff He's been great He gave us Victory Monday So go check him out That's I am Brian Shepard And thank you for everyone who keeps listening And makes us one of the greatest Lions podcasts possible Y'all are awesome See you star side